Welcome film industry professionals, film buffs, and aspiring filmmakers. This is the Cinema Pathway Podcast presented by Paradoxical Films. And I'm your host, Michael Angelo Malachi. Guys, join us on a journey behind the camera and most importantly, beyond what we know about cinema and the craft of filmmaking. So sit down, grab your popcorn, drink your soda, and let's ride the cinema road together with Cinema Pathway. <laughs> Welcome to all listeners across the world to your new film family, Cinema Pathway Podcast with your host, Michael Angelo Malachi. Now, again, this podcast is for film buffs, film lovers, film critics, people who make films, people who watch films, and people who just like to watch and talk about film. You found your new family. Welcome to Miss Juliet Romeo. Not to be confused with Romeo and Juliet. That's a different thing. Okay, get it right. Juliet Romeo. Now, our first guest has made her stamp and is continuing to make her stamp in the film world by combining the enticing power of the stories of the Afro-Caribbean women and men with intoxicating romance dramas that will melt the hearts of those who have forgotten about love and ignite the fire of curiosity for those who love a good love story. I know you don't just do love stories, but that seems to be like the crux of it, the crux of it. Now, the resilient filmmaker, Miss Juliet Romeo, not to be confused with the historical play Romeo and Juliet, but we'll be talking about more about it later, right? But first, I have to ask, what was the moment that you realized you wanted to do this professionally? The aha moment. Well, um, I think... Uh... First of all, that was amazing. Uh, that was really. I love you. <laughs> I love you too, my <laughs> girl. Um, well, I think I realized I wanted to do this professionally when I realized that I could do this professionally. <laughs> I actually uh, come from a family who, uh, if anyone else has a Caribbean background, I do not know what their obsession is with healthcare. But I guess it's like, oh, this is stability. This is money. We're immigrants. We got to come here and make some money. And, you know, doctors, nurses, they make money. So I just kind of was convinced my entire life. My grandmother was in nursing. My mother was in nursing. Um, as someone that was sick, I hated all of healthcare. I wanted to um Because you've actually had to go through it, yeah. And avenge... <laughs> Get revenge on all these nurses and doctors that, you know, stuck me as a kid. But um, I did end up going to a, um, I'm from New York. So um, when you get New to York. high school, yeah. What part? Brooklyn. Oh, Brooklyn, so when you get New to York. High, when you get to high school, you get this opportunity to take a really specialized test that will send you into um, these magnificent schools um, that actually are for a specific career path. And I went to Clara Barton for the nursing profession and um, realized, yeah, I don't want to do that. I'm So drama wasn't your first pick. Drama has been my passion and what my family was telling me was a really wonderful hobby. Oh. I've been writing stories. Uh, Since how how young? I think I remember What's writing like the my first, earliest story. Yeah, my first poem I remember writing. I was eight, and it was called "Wishes Are Not for Me." Man, that is so deep at eight. Wishes are not. What was it about? Um, it was about the fact that I was with my parents somewhere, and you know those little poppy flowers that it's kind of like a little thing, oh, and you yeah, catch yeah. it and you make a wish. Uh huh. I was trying to catch it and I didn't catch it, and I said, "I guess this wishes are for me." But your and wish of being started, a filmmaker did come true. And though. I started 
just making up a poem about it. And I was like, wow, that was fun. I kept doing it. Man, we're only five minutes in. I'm already crying. Okay, Miss <laughs> Juliet Romeo. <laughs> On the next Juliet Romeo show. All right. <laughs> At the height of the COVID epidemic, many people were confined to their houses for long periods of time. But reports say that this has actually brought out many positive qualities, right? Genius qualities, a lot of creative things, a lot of books. People have actually used that time usually for positive things. And I know that battling sickle cell disease for basically your entire life since birth has confined you to hospitals and essentially staying inside for long periods of time. How has this helped you master the art of storytelling and imagination? Oh, for sure. Because I was in and out of the hospital a lot, as I told you, I realized, hey, I have this knack for writing poems and writing stories. And so I would spend a lot of my time at home writing stories, making up stories, uh, watching a cartoon. And when it ends, I'm like, oh, it should continue like this. Or uh, writing stories about my friends. And they would come back and tell me, hey, what'd you write about us today? And I just reread, you know, read to them. The na- I would put their names as characters in my stories. and they were While in the like, hospital. While in the hospital. Or sometimes I would be not in the hospital, but home from school because I couldn't go to school. Oh, you couldn't go to school? Why? Um, well, if I was having a crisis, like let's, or I had a doctor's appointment, I had to miss school, and my friends would come and bring me uh, my homework or whatever. Oh. They'd be like, oh, what'd you do today? I'm like, well, I wrote a story about you. So um, I started writing these like stories about a group of my friends and like different adventures. Um, I had those books for a long time. Don't I, I wish I knew where they were today. Um, but I didn't realize that it was something I could do until I got to college and I had to take an elective in, um, which was radio. And I'm like, I have to um, figure out how I'm going to break it to my family that I'm not going to be a doctor because this is not what I want to do. Let me tell you, being an actor myself, you're absolutely right. Yeah. The arts is usually not people's first pick no. or your parents' first pick. No. And they always want to counsel you into something <laughs> a little bit more um, professional. I know. But you know what? Filmmaking and acting is professional. It is. It's what shapes your mind of the young people, of people now. It dictates society. There's Not so to much- mention, all yeah. the other professions are still also creative because this is literally what we write about. We write about life. Life. So basically your life has been like a drama. It is a drama. So, it's easy. <laughs> so, it, was, so it, it was literally easy for you to create these dramas because it you is. just basically plucked out of your own life. So I am the drama. I obviously, I, I wouldn't drama. wish, you know, I wouldn't wish any you know sickness on anybody. But in a way, it's actually been a blessing in disguise. I definitely feel that way. Um, I also feel, um, you know, I feel like God, I never asked God, like, why did you do this or resented that this was what was happening, I felt like, I remember there was a time I was in the hospital and I was in like excruciating pain. And I remember just praising God and thanking him. I knew like whatever I was going to have to go through at this moment, when I get out of it, this was a promise that that he had promised me. And so I just needed to get past this because every, he, he promises us that everything that is bad, he will turn to good. So I just like remember really buckling down into that pain and going, let me get past this because there's something over this, you know, this mountain. But how did that impact you as a filmmaker? Because like, for example, Uncomplicated, if you guys haven't watched it, please go see it. They have this beautiful scene, right, where she is having a date with, you know, her potential husband, whatever the case may be. And instead of being honest, right, from the get go and saying, this is what I suffer with. She had a scenario where she hit it and she goes through this entire uh story arc of trying to hide her disease in the bathroom and all that and then you have at the end of the movie when well, i don't spoil too much but you have one scenario where she says you know what i'm actually going to choose being honest and using my sickness as my story and the guy ended up falling in love with her anyway 
So that's a really good, that's a, if you think about it, ultimately, the culmination of your life, your experiences, who you are, never deny that even if some parts are embarrassing, even if some parts are really, really personal, because if you didn't have those experiences, then you wouldn't have come up with these beautiful, beautiful movies you've done so far. Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember the inspiration for that. I was a lot of things, but the truth in it was that I did that. I did that at a film festival I went to in San Francisco after I had done Jules, the documentary Jules. Which won a Doctors Without Borders yes. award twice, <laughs> right? Um, uh, 2020 and then the other and, one was... And the other in... one was 2021, yeah. Talk more about that. So, what, um, what inspired that film? I wanted to let the world know what people with sickle cell are going through and that to educate them, to also show that there's this space where not even our own people really understand this disease because it's just not enough being taught. I've had doctors tell me, yeah, you know, um, in medical school, we only have like one page about um, about sickle cell, like one page. One I've had page. Uh, experiences where I'm in the hospital and doctors say, hey, I teach a class at this medical school. Can I bring my students to meet you? Because they've never met a patient with sickle cell. And I'm like, we got to get this together. So this was really, that film was really about building awareness. Um, and one of the things that really pushed me to do it was the subject, which was Cookie. Um, losing her really made me have to face my own mortality. Now, for those who don't know, Cookie is your childhood my, friend. my best friend. Um, and she also had sickle cell. And she and passed she away. she passed away in 2014. And I My just, condolences. Thank you. And I just really felt that I needed to be able to tell her story. You know, we would have conversations about how we dream about being a very important part of the community and being able to share what um, it's like being a, a person with sickle cell and that we, she was a phenomenal singer. That girl could blow. And we're not talking about Cookie, Taraji, you know, P. Henderson. No, no, we're, we're not talking, talking about, about Cookie. cookie this is a Empire. different Cookie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Has Cookie been an inspiration for any of the characters that you've done for any future works? And which one? Um, which one? Do you, which character you've seen in a future work that you've done that actually reminisces about Cookie? Um, I don't think that she has been an inspiration per se as in the character, but I would say maybe Millie because she was very protective of me. And so um, Millie is actually two people. Millie is Cookie and she's my other best friend who has lupus. Um, and um, her name is Camilla and we call her Millie. So um, yeah, they're both very protective of me. We were the trio. So you guys um, are the magic film trio. Yeah, she, well, they're still well, here in spirit. Cookie is yeah. Cookie was a singer. Camilla is still with us among the living, and she is an actress and playwright. So yeah. she lives in New York. Um, and we're really just trying to live our best life. And one of the things we wanted to let people and other sickle cell patients know that you can live a quality of life. You you know, like don't allow the medical the healthcare system tell us who we are. Like we know who we are. We know what we can do. And if we had the right advocacy and support, we would be able to do it. That's right. Because I know there's a program, Unstoppable, right? Where it's yes. basically, please tell us more about Unstoppable. I mean, we will later on Absolutely. the show, but just a little snippet of what well, that is. Unstoppable. I am the founder of the Unstoppable program for Slam Dance Film Festival. Um, it was started back in 2020 when I met the um, uh, founder of Slam Dance, Peter Baxter told him that I felt we needed, uh, I would love to see more diversity and inclusion and disability representation in film festivals because we struggle to attend film festivals as people with disabilities. Um, that's something that I fight for all the time. Um, and also not seeing 
ourselves or stories that are representative of that. And um, going back to 2020 and how it was such a place of opportunity at that moment, um, that's when that happened. Um, what kind of challenges have you been have been posed to you trying to go for including people, inclusivity, and ultimately bringing people with disabilities to the forefront? Meaning giving them that hope that, hey, just because I have a disability doesn't mean my life is over. It actually means that I can use my story and win with it. Because you've won two awards on PBS, by the way. That's two. Doctors Without Borders, guys. So can you tell I us? I don't feel like there's been challenges. I feel like doors have started to open up more based off the challenges that I w- was able to talk about. And then other filmmakers with disabilities were like, hey, um, we're going through that too. I feel like a little rock star every year when I go to this festival. Other filmmakers are coming up to me, thanking me for what I've done. And I'm like, I don't really feel like I did anything. What I wanted was to be able to have accessibility for me to be able to attend film festivals. And so I realized I had to build that table. And what I did was then invite a bunch of people. So now I feel like I'm just going out with my friends to film festivals. Now I have company. Now I have people that I can relate to. Now I have stories that we can discuss. Right now we're in deliberations and oh my gosh, the films Yes. And we are seeing every year, it just gets better and better. Because people are not afraid anymore. I mean, the fact that we have films right now that are, um, we have an entire uh, films with disability representation. Really? On Delta. What's the best one that you think? Delta Studio right now. You know, Delta Airlines uh, has picked up some of our films. So Uncomplicated being one of them. Uncomplicated being one of those. Congratulations. uh, Ashley Eakin, you guys really need to look up Ashley Eakin. She is phenomenal. And I think that we all, everyone, um, people that are, you know, the non-disabled and dis- disability community can resonate and relate to these stories. So I don't see like why it's, it shouldn't be a big deal at all that there is disability. We should just be able to tell our story. What I, my dream is that See it as a plus. Yes, that we could just dissolve Unstoppable one day because it's unstoppable. That's the thing. Hey, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I that's like the whole point. Like, <laughs> we want to model. dissolve that this program yeah. so that we are just now fluid in the entire industry. And it just is what it is. Now, that brings me to, okay, we know that T-Boss is one of the most prolific uh singers of our time she was with the army group tlc and for those who don't know tlc again we said they're the best-selling american girl group of all time selling this this is actually what google told yeah. me so but, but i already know i already know but over 65 million records worldwide she has sickle cell disease just like yourself how does her story impact or inspire you and the fun question is if you could use her in your next movie, shout out to Miss T-Boss. If you're okay. listening to Juliet Romeo on this podcast, we would love for, for you to come either here and be interviewed or work with Miss Juliet Romeo. So how would you use her and what would the story be about? Well, I definitely remember the news coming out that T-Boss uh, had sickle cell and I dropped to my knees because I was like, this. Have you seen her on stage? I have seen you guys You would on never stage. realize she was sick. Like. But listen, Amazing. I, I have I have also seen a biopic where she talks about the struggle that they would literally have ambulances waiting outside of the concerts to take her. So what would the movie be? I feel be? that. What I, was the I, movie? I know what that is. Yeah. Uh, you're putting me on the spot. Yeah. Uh, about the Come movie. on. But T-Buzz. what would the movie be? I don't I don't yeah. think I would have her as someone that is just a representative of sickle cell. Like she is a mother. She is a business owner. She can be anything in any film. And that's where I would place her. I would just place her as a character that I know she would be phenomenal in. Wow, I love that. I mean, has there any been, I mean, obviously we know that 
having any kind of disease, right, in your body poses questions and fears. Has there been a really, really low point that you're willing to share that you've used either in your upcoming stuff or in any upcoming films you've done? Like, what was your lowest point, you would say? I would say my lowest point was, well, I have low points every day. Uh, my anxiety is, I feel like I have this anxiety of hurrying up to get things done because you just never know. Um, but I also have to remind myself, hey, everybody should feel like that, right? right. So <laughs> stop right. feeling like that. Um, but I would say that the biggest struggle for me, even though Jules is done back in like 2014, Anytime I have to watch that, I am still in tears. Like anytime it's screened somewhere, I'm like, okay, I got to leave the room because just seeing my friend and remembering her. Um, but it doesn't help that I leave because then people approach me and they're in tears and then I'm in tears. So um, it, it is definitely a bittersweet. And I'm just really, I feel like she has really helped to push me in my career. Um, she definitely helped to open the doors by her family allowing me to share her story. And also... Um, and that's why we call you resilient. I really mean you. that with every, every fiber of my being. You really are resilient. To be able to be dealing with that and as a filmmaker, not using that as a crutch, but using something to help you propel you forward. I mean, the point of views of your movies are definitely very unique. Thank and you. we're definitely going to talk about that in the next <laughs> segment. So please stay tuned when we talk about how a last minute entry by Miss Juliet Romier landed her the coveted Audience Choice Award at the 40 Hour Film Festival. And this is last minute. She told me she was late, guys, and she still won that. So <laughs> that's <laughs> inspire you. It. You can still do it. And as always, if you enjoyed or just want to express anything you feel about this podcast, remember to subscribe to Cinema Pathway Podcast on your favorite podcast platform and visit our online store. You, you're going to visit, right? I'm going to visit. You're going to buy something, right? I'm going to need that. Juliet's going to buy something. Well, oh, oh, <laughs> you guys don't know. See, uh, I'm dressed in this beautiful uh, fedora and this little overcoat. I'm kind of representing the, you know, the Cinema Pathway podcast. So, you know, maybe one day that'll be, that'll be on there, too. But anyway, go to the online store at paradoxicalfilms.com slash store to get your Cinema Pathway gear. And please follow us on Instagram at cinema underscore pathway underscore podcast for all photos and more more with juliet romeo not to be mixed with romeo juliet next <laughs> see you guys later cinevideotech and paradoxical films are pleased to bring you tell your story master training workshops you will learn how to work with actual 16 millimeter and 35 millimeter film and film cameras as well as how to load and change magazines in addition the workshop will teach you what it takes to work on set as a first or second assistant camera the fundamentals of lighting and the pathway to becoming a director of photography visit www.paradoxicalfilms.com backslash tell your story for information on dates pricing and how to sign up hurry as seats are limited and classes are filling up quickly We are back with the resilient director and filmmaker, Miss Juliet Romeo. By the way, you have a very interesting name, as we said. Hopefully, we all know one of the best known Shakespearean plays ever written, Romeo and Juliet. And for those who don't know, Romeo and Juliet is Shakespeare's most famous stories of love at first sight explodes with intense passion in this contemporary production. 
with heartbreaking consequences. Basically, there's two people from two different worlds. They fall in love and end up killing themselves because of their messed up, janked up family. Yeah. We know about this, right? I know. Toxic, <laughs> just toxic. All right. So which characters would you say are the most similar to Romeo and Juliet in your current films? Hmm. I don't uncomplicate it for sure. I guess for we, sure. because it's, it's a romance, you want to say uncomplicated. Yes. But I actually don't really try to implement as much. I think what I take from Shakespeare is yes. his ability to make sure he has a beginning, middle, and end of his story and the drama and the, like, the feeling, like, you you definitely feel yes. what all of the characters are going through. That's why it stands the test of time. Um, Plus, you don't give yourself enough credit. Let me tell you, and I'm complicated, there definitely was a scene when the guy was with an, uh, on a date with a female and she had lost her oxygen. That was a really scary scene because you saw that intensity. Yeah, right? it was intense. It was the intense. love was in his eyes, but when she finally realized, you know what, I need to stop pretending to be someone that I'm not to impress somebody. As a filmmaker, have you had the same challenge, not trying to impress and just embracing yourself? Well, that this is, I think, the magic to my success right now is that um, I was mentioning earlier in the last segment when I went to this film festival uh, in San Francisco, um, there were some people on the panel and my oxygen was. I had my oxygen on and it was doing this buzzing sound. And I said, you know, let me just turn it off because I don't want to interrupt people. And my oxygen level was dropping and I could literally feel it. Like at that time, I, I wasn't doing the treatments I'm doing now. So I wasn't doing as well. And I was like, girl, are you going to kill yourself and pass out? That will interrupt this panel. Like, I can't believe you were willing to like silent. So you have like literally life scares. Your ability to breathe. <laughs> because you don't want to bring attention to yourself. And what was so ironic is that the film that I was promoting was my film about sickle cell. Like, what better way to promote it than represent it? Um, and I just, at that moment, I said, I'm going to stop. Like, whatever is happening in my life, whatever I I have to be, like, if, you know, God forbid I get sick again and I have, there was a time where I had to learn how to walk again. I'm going to just embrace that. I'm not going to hide who I am. I think I was going through life chasing how to become a filmmaker, but only acknowledging how to do that as a person that's non-disabled. And that wasn't the truth for me. So once I started to accept that, and also ask for the accessibility needs that I need to be able to do my job. It just started to open doors um, when I just started to be my authentic self instead of trying to pretend. Like that idea of running to the bathroom and hiding, that literally was me, but in a work environment. There'd be times where I want to be at an event, but I chose not to go to the event because I don't want to have the oxygen. I don't want want people to ask me questions. And I, once I started to embrace it, I started to realize, People don't even notice it. Like, it's like no one says anything about it sometimes. And the people that do, then I'm just, I just explain to them why. And that's just another opportunity for me to bring awareness. So it was, a, it's a win-win. Oh, it is a win-win. And I just started to feel like I'm so much better. At, and now I'm known as this filmmaker, right? So do you like writing more in third person point of view or first person? Honestly. I know your films, they have a, you know, mixture, but which is your favorite, you could honestly say? I don't like being the subject of my films. I don't. I don't I, it's very difficult to do, to be the subject of your own documentary. Why? Because you're the director and you have to direct yourself and you have to direct everyone else. Also, in documentary, the subject is the one that's going through that emotional thing. And 
I have to wear a dozen hats and still have to deal with the traumatic part of whatever the document my documentary is about. It's tough. And it's probably the reason why I continue to cry every time I look at <laughs> that documentary because making me cry. I just met I'm you. living it. I'm continuing <laughs> to relive the situation, you know, so because it's so close. My next documentary is gonna be a feature and I'm just yeah, I decided to be it's what called is it? Sickle to Circle. And it's really just bringing closing the gap between my last two films, Jules and Art of Warriors, and talking about... So it's going to be set in between those, the, the be time set, period between those two not films. Not the time periods, but basically what those two films are about, about sickle cell. But we're talking about research. We're talking about the health disparities. We're talking about how things are getting better. We now have medications that specifically for sickle cell. We have a lot of um, pharmaceutical companies that are really focusing on us now. And I am, you know, ready to find out why and how and how we're going to help. While they're still trying to find a cure, a lot of us are losing our chance at living our dreams. And so this this just this like race to survive and I think and thrive. You realize you're a pioneer in that, right? I don't know anybody right now that I know that is, you know, championing sickle cell, at least humanizing it in a way that it creates beautiful films and explains your story in a way that not only sympathizes, but also makes you the hero of it. Thank you. I feel like there are a lot of people out there. And my job is to take that camera and highlight those people because maybe the world just doesn't see some of those people that we know. Um, And representation is really what it's all about. um, Sidney Poitier did a film uh, called Warm a warm December back in like the seventies or something. Sydney Poitier. That was about a woman. Uh, his love interest had sickle cell, and I could not really believe it. I was like, "What's kid. the name of it?" A warm December. A warm December by with Sydney Poitier. Yes, it was wow. his oh, directorial that. debut. That was his debut. Isn't it amazing you bring that up, especially with everything that you champion? I wonder if he knew people or if he understood that more than we. I would have loved to have asked him that. Maybe Sydney Poitier's family can come here and get a pocket, you know, love along it. with Julia Romeo. Um, That'd be awesome. I'm actually working on something uh, upcoming for Black History Month where we will be screening a classical film and also Uncomplicated and talking about sickle cell representation and how we can have more positive representation. So it's coming. So listen out for it. Um, but yeah, we're already working on that. So that's breaking news. Yeah. All right, guys, we also have breaking news, breaking news. (laughs) If you happen to be on a Delta airline flight, right, chances you are or will see the film Uncomplicated. That's right. Her film is literally on airline. But she's she's big time now. She's big time now. (laughs) And with that, we say heartfelt congratulations to our own Juliet Romeo for winning audience choice award at this year's fast-paced 48-hour film festival now a lot of people are like what is 48-hour film festival this is more like a florida thing right so here are the rules for those who don't know 48-hour film festival is a fun-filled adrenaline producing weekend that is jump-started just like juliet romeo the careers of countless filmmakers around the world but get this guys you can only make the entire film in two days 48 hours so you have to get the story and the plot and the character development and all of these deep emotional messages all in one but it gets better it gets better the street relations right one you have to have a required prop you have to have a required line of dialogue and you have to have a required character so they give you for example my husband eats baked apples that has to be in <laughs> it your has film to be in it exactly and then 
to make it even better, right? You also have the genres to choose from. Now, I don't have all of them listed here, but this is just a few. Comedy, dark comedy, detective, cop drama, fantasy. What is film the fish, fish out of water? I never understood what that was. Uh, so a fish out of water is like, for example, I guess like, let's, what's a good movie that's a fish out of water? Um, yeah, we can come back to it. Yeah, we'll get back to yeah, it. I can't we have the horror right mockumentary. A musical romance. I don't know what musical romance is, but okay. Uh, maybe, oh, Dreamgirls might be a musical romance. Dreamgirls would be musical romance, yeah. Yeah, musical romance. Okay, sci-fi, silent film, thriller, and suspense western. So, you know, you talk like this and, you know, <laughs> not saying you have to be western, but that's uh, but you gotta get suspenseful. So, what was your genre? Because you won. And what was the movie about? The genre that we ended up picking, because we uh, have to pick out of a hat and we don't even know um was doppelganger detective so it had to have an element of some sort of a twindom type of situation uh or identical twins or whatnot and um it also had to be a detective film well here's the thing let's talk about the fact that i've my first 48 hour film uh i was on a team i was the writer that was in 2013 so i've done this many times but this is why, uh, this is just proof right now that filmmakers aren't sane. <laughs> what did I, you just say? <laughs> I decided, I decided, oh yeah, this is not enough for me. Um, usually I have, I have a team. Um, I have this really great uh, cinematographer. Her name is Lauren. Um, and she is so good. I mean, this girl could make a garbage bag flying in the wind look magnificent. And she says That'd to me. That'd be an Oscar moment. <laughs> she says to me, yeah, I want to do my own team this year. And I'm like, yeah, but me too. So we decided, why don't we collaborate? Why don't we use the same location? The well, two same heads actors, are better than one. And whatever your genre is and whatever my genre is, we're going to make a film that is independent by itself. But when it comes together, it tells a full story. We gave ourselves a completely other challenge. Um, so a challenge within a challenge. A challenge within a challenge. And she ended up getting, I think hers was romance. Romance and romance uh, I cannot remember what the second one was so she did romance and because I had done it so many times I understood like okay you really need to get the genre down the genre isn't really important you have to get that feel and the first thing I thought was what's one of my favorite uh detective films and I love Law and Order Criminal Intent listen Vincent D'Onofrio, yes. Goran, he's my yes. favorite. Uh, I just love him. So I really wanted to have that element of dum dum, you know, like <laughs> I want to be like a like a like that. a TV show. Tell me you remember New York Undercover. Oh my you god, New York Undercover. I do remember New York Undercover. I love it. And now they show all the old they, the old episodes. I don't even know what what channel that is, but I watch it sometimes. I love CSI. I love it. Please. If I can be hired by them, I'll be happy. Be wonderfully yeah. happy. But that was my favorite growing up in the 90s was New York Undercover because it really felt like some part of my neighborhood. Yes. I could be a cop too. Right. Or a detective. So yes. That and is have so nice true. fluttering. I never had That's the fluttering hair like the main guy, but it's okay. All about. Is that we're able to see ourselves like, oh, now I get to be the cop, not the bad guy, like we always are on all these other, all these other. Um, and that's how you change the, the minds change of millions it. of people. But if you don't introduce it, then how are we ever going to know it? Exactly. All right, I want to break this up a little bit. Um, liter- uh, earlier on, we, uh, uh, Juliet Romeo, she told me about two words that I think are definitely beautiful representations of her films. 
I know strange words. I've never heard them since then, but one is Basil D, B-A-Z-Z-L-E-D. Yes. Yes. Two and E's. Two E's. Yeah. And that, that means head over heels, right? Yeah. And then the other one is Tabanka. Is that tabanka. how you say it? T-A-B-A-N-K-A? I guess. I think so. Yes. And that means heartbroken. These so. are words we use in Trinidad. Um, so it's a, you know, yes. a definitely Caribbean thing to say about how you feel about love. If you're heartbroken, yes. you have Tabanka. Tabanka. Um, if you're, you know, head over heels and just foolish in love, you're Basil D. Okay, so I'm going to name some really, really well-known either actors or directors or people in the world, and I want you to express to me, would you be head over heels to work with them or heartbroken? Never want to work with him a day in my life. You ready? <laughs> <laughs> we just got juice. Now, okay. of course, out of respect, you could always pass. Okay. So heartbroken doesn't also mean, it's, that's not bad. It just means that, you know, you feel like you would have a, a more, a better feel with this one director right so it's a game called basil d or tabanka basil d or tabanka all right so first director basil d or tabanka lee daniels yeah i don't know he's just not my cup of tea um, so tabanka so yeah i guess tabanka okay yeah all right spike lee Definitely Basil D. I'm oh. already like. Why are you in love with, with Why are you in love with him? First of all, Brooklyn, number one. Mm. Um, oh, that's right. You guys are both from Brooklyn. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Okay. Um. So yeah, I definitely grew up. Um. What about his his film style? Do you like the most? His film style is very unique. He he has made things that you already know. This is a Spike Lee joint. Just saying a Spike Lee joint is like a joint in itself, right? It's like an honor. It's an honor. You're like, you know, this is a Spike Lee joint. One of the things, one of my favorite things is that camera pull he does where it looks like the character's just floating down the street. You just know that that is a Spike Lee. That is bananas. You realize that the other guests we had before you said the exact same thing? I'm not even joking with you. Wow. It's mesmerizing to watch that. Yeah. It's like We actually called it the Spike Lee 90, where it's kind of the over the head shot and yeah. you kind of pull yeah. off. So is that something that he originated? I would say he did. I mean, I don't know where he got it. And you know what? I feel like as a filmmaker, especially as an independent filmmaker, sometimes you do things out of necessity and then it just becomes your stamp. And I think that that's what happened with him. And I'm I'm hoping to find my necessity right now. I do have two things I love to put in every film. Please. So, Juliet Romeo's two things to look out for. Number one is... If you watch my films, you will always see a Michael Jackson influence. Really? Okay. <laughs> that's my man. <laughs> that's my boo. Uh, I don't want to hear nothing else about it. Okay. Um, Michael Jackson is him. your boo. That's my boo. Number two? Uh, and number two, you will always see a mention of God. And with that, we stay tuned to our next segment when we dive into a major subject that is facing the foundation of today's film world, the actor's strike. For anyone who mm. doesn't know that she just made a mm sound with a rolling of that, <laughs> I get it. We've all been there. So it's a, but we had to talk about it. Yeah. It's facing what we do for a living as an actor, me, and as you as a director. Absolutely. Right. And as always, if you enjoyed or just want to express anything about this podcast, remember to subscribe to Cinema Pathway Podcast on your favorite podcast platform and visit our online store like you, right? 
You ready for this tonight? I'm getting that shirt. Okay. Dude, you should do fedoras. We should think fedoras. People like hatwear. <laughs> Paradoxicalfilms.com slash store. Again, that's paradoxicalfilms.com slash store to get all your Cinema Pathway gear. And follow us on Instagram at Cinema Pathway Podcast. That's cinema underscore pathway underscore podcast. Don't remember the don't forget the underscores, guys. Cinema underscore pathway underscore podcast for all the behind the scenes photos and more. We shall see you on the next segment. We would like to take a moment to thank our partners who helped make this podcast possible. Cine Video Tech has been providing film equipment, training, and services to the film industry both inside and outside the U.S. since 1968. M2 Films, which provides directing, writing, and assistant director services, and ComTV offers consulting and production services for a wide range of entertainment, marketing, advertising, and commercial projects. All right, well, back to the Caramel and Ebony podcast. <laughs> Me being the Caramel and Miss Beautiful Ebony. Juliet Romeo being the Ebony of the hour. All right, we're back with the resilient Juliet Romeo. Well, it's time that we talk about a controversial subject that is hitting the film world by storm in depth. The actors strike. So the same group of chief executives from the biggest studios had a major deal just over a little bit ago, right? Striking writers, whose leaders celebrated the gains on many issues actors are fighting for. Now, this is what they're fighting for, right? Long-term pay, consistency of employment, and control over the use of AI. That's artificial intelligence, right? Now, let me break it down a little more. Let's just say you're doing a film and they grab your likeness. They love your voice, the way you look, and you do that film, do that scene. If you're done, you get paid for that one day. Now, most actors, right, get paid for that day, for a few months from now. Now they have a technology that is so intelligent that they can grab your voice and your likeness of that scene and replicate it 30, 40 times. That's scary. You know how much work you're taking away from people? That's the long-term of pay part, right? Consistency of employment. So now you're there for a day, you've asked all this time off, and now you you know you can't you don't have like a consistent schedule, like a lot of TV shows, right? One of the things that actors love is that they get to be with their families because it's like a nine to five, right? Especially with films, you know, especially with Juliet's films, the actors she's always very conscious of their time. You always want to make sure that they're not being taken advantage of, which. Let me tell you, as an actor, I really appreciate that, Julia. Oh, thank you. I mean, it's important to me to yeah. have a set that is safe. So how do you feel about, about the actor strike? Um, Truly. The actor strike, the WGA, it's all necessary. Because? Because they're trying to, I think they're, it's minimizing. What they want is minimizing our value. Absolutely. I mean, some phenomenal films, scripts, actors have come out of the craft of writers, actors, and having the protection that the union brings is so important. Before the union, children got taken advantage of, women got taken advantage of, disabled people were taken advantage of, um, run the gamut, uh, people were taken advantage of. And it's all about these people that are on the top of these studios. This is a business. And one thing that we know about businesses they're about the bottom line and they do things in a certain structure and it's not a creative thing. I 
I actually do not have a fear of AI ever taking my job as a writer because AI is never going to write with feeling. It's never going to do it. And even if you take an actor's likeness, here's how I feel about that. Break it down. When I tell you as an actor, okay, here's the scene. Give me a scene. Direct me a scene. You thought you lost the love of your life. Uh Uh-huh. And now it's been 10 years. You're now married to someone else. You have a family. Almost every night you dream about this person. And then you find out you're walking down the street with your family and there she is. I need you to give me that feeling. Let's do something. Let's just show people how AI is not the same thing as human AI can never do that. Give me a line or two. Okay. And I want you to direct me in that. All right. The line will be. This is the exclusive contents, guys. Remember, this is Juliet Romeo at her best. Okay. The line will be, Melissa, I thought you were dead. But I realized that I'm in love with you. You going to say that in front of your wife? Your wife is right there. See, that's the director speaking. How would you change that narrative? So, so far we have Melissa, I thought you were dead. Melissa, I thought you were dead. Um, This is my wife, Janet. I, there's so many ways to say that, right? All right. So shoot me something. Let's direct it. Okay. Okay. So you and your wife are sitting down having dinner. Me and my wife are sitting down having dinner. The waitress comes by to take your order and you look up at her. Just like uncomplicated. Okay. She is Melissa. Um, Melissa. Oh, I thought you were dead. Okay, this she is says, my wife. She says, Michael, is that you? And you look up. Melissa, uh, I-, I thought you were dead. Um, this-, this is my wife, Janet. Is that how you would say that? I don't know. Direct me. You were you more thought, sad, happy. You thought she yeah. died. Where I, I need you to pull out something from your experience in your life where if you saw this person again, how you would feel if you saw them. Think of someone you lost. I don't could be your grandma, could be your grandpa. If you saw them I right saw them in front the of you. For the first time. For the first time in years. For the first time in years and you thought you had lost them shocked. forever. I'd be genuinely shocked. What does that look like? Oh, Melissa, I thought you were dead. This is this is my wife, um, Janet. AI can't do that because AI has nothing to pick up from. Got me crying over because here. everyone's gonna do that. <laughs> if 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 the yeah. AI does it, it'll do it the same every time. Are you guys? At least listening? that's my interpretation. Are you guys listening to that? You see, I do understand that they're like, you gotta tell AI what you want and it'll do it. It's still not even if everything. you put emotion into a computer and tell them to do it this way. I promise you, the soul and the spirit of that person will never be captured. That part, AI makes a great assistant. I will not deny assistant. that. But it's not to me. It's not going to be. But not else. director. You get what I mean? And this is what they. This is what the actor strike is all about. And this is when they're so, so angry because we're losing authenticity. Everyone, everyone is, everyone is at a loss right now, from the actor to the director and everyone in between. I have friends who are producers and production assistants who have not worked, who had to go back to working like nine to five or being a barista. They were just gaining so much traction in their job, and it's like. I'm so frustrated by this. And some of them are frustrated and directing it at the writers because they want to strike. But it's like, if we don't do this now, everyone will lose everything. Everything. This is livelihoods. This is no joke. Could you imagine if someone, for example, let's choose any career. Let's say medic. Yeah. Let's say that you've been you've gone to school for 10, 20 years. You put your entire life and all of a sudden you're you're replaced by a robot. Oh, and it's, are it's you, getting there. Are you Okay. Let me pump your blood. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Technology is great for all the technical things. Of it's course. getting there. But 
the interaction you have with that person who might be losing their life, who's scared. How can a robot replicate that? I have that? a doctor who uh, will always love. You need interaction, right? Shout out to Dr. Pena because Dr. Pena said something so amazing one time. He had some students that were coming in. They were interns. And he asked them, um, well, what do you think is wrong with her? And they looked at my labs. Oh, um, it said, why is her, why is her liver functions low? Oh, she, she drinks? And he laughs and he says, oh, did you say that because the last patient, um, he had liver uh, issues and that's why? He says, do not follow the numbers, follow the patient. And if you had had a conversation with me, you would have known. You can't look at the numbers and just go, well, that's what's wrong with this patient. Let's treat her with blah, 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 blah. And then it's the wrong thing. You know, it reminds me, we were just talking about this on the break. Guys, I mean, this the, in the break, we get some juicy conversation. Okay? <laughs> There's do. some stuff that I've asked her and she's like, you know, put that on. But trust me, it's the it's, it's the, the part two. <laughs> it's the show show. But we talked about something really interesting. Um, I'm Latino. And of course, I've looked up to people like Desi Narnes, you know. I love Lucy, Lucille Ball, and he single-handedly came up with the three-point camera system. Can you explain a little bit more what that is and how that changed film forever? Well, it changed television. Television, sorry, television. So one of moving the things, camera, yeah, moving yeah, camera. Moving and camera. so in I Love Lucy, it was the first time that you they had the three-point camera system, and it was because it would be like a stage before. You know, if you look at. A really, really old. So it's like different angles, basically. Three yeah, points. there's not yeah. different angles as opposed to something that was like, I think, The Honeymooners, which yeah. I think. Which are like, they implement in films now. Yeah. I think that they don't get their just due. Uh, Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball Arnaz. Simply because I went to Paramount and I, I didn't know all this stuff about them at first until I visited Paramount. And I was like, I thought I just loved Lucille Ball because she was just so funny. But she was a powerhouse. But who came up with that? A human, not a robot. A robot wouldn't know to be able to get different points of view on anything. And that's only something the human spirit can can take. And when you take that out, what are we going to be watching in the future? Really think about this, guys. And then you could also be looking at the screen. Is that really a person? Yeah. So, okay, they did the first thing, honestly. But what about third and fourth and fifth scene? It's also about boundaries. Like what you, what as an actor, what I am okay with doing versus what you are going to let this AI do. I mean, I I feel like I can't even really speak about it in facts because it's so like in theory at this moment, and hopefully it stays right there. Um, But we have to protect humanity. We have to, ultimately. Now, being a woman of color, how do you feel about long-term pay and consistent employment for the validity of your work? I mean, has it been something that you think has been fair across the board or have you faced discrepancies? In the, oh, Miss <laughs> Juliet Romeo has that face. The face when, I, when she gives me the face, I know, okay, go. No, it's not go. fair across the board. And even as an independent filmmaker yes. where I'm not even getting anything near someone as amazing as Ava DuVernay, Viola yes. Davis, it's st- and they're not even getting what they're worth. Um, they're still fighting for e- for equal pay. There's been opportunities that I've had that I'm like, Okay, um, that's what you're paying me? All right. Because when you get paid fairly, you feel more of an actor, more validated, right? You do. You feel validated. You And also, you can now go into your next project with some stability and, and the freedom to be as creative and not have to worry about feeding your family, paying your bills, you know? Um, this is what we all want, to be able to have that uh, freedom. I'm not even going to call it a luxury. It's not a luxury. We want to be able to provide for our family. Um, just because we happen to be doing something where we love our job 
uh, that's not our fault. You know, I, I hear a lot of stuff on social media like, well, you chose this. You wanted to be famous. No, I wanted to be able to live my dreams and my passions out. So now see that that brings me to Jules. I'm going to brag on Juliet Romeo a little bit because, I mean, I have her in front of me. In 2020, your film Jules not only won the Doc Without Borders Award, but it also graced numerous global films. So this is not just local. Global films around the world, which led to Supreme Pockets with PBS, right? And even a nomination for the Firelight Media Ground, Groundwork Lab in 2019. Now, how does the point of view change for making a documentary to a traditional scripted film? How does that point of view change? Because, you know, essentially, when you're an actor and you're doing a script, everyone knows that it's fiction because it came out of the top of your head. But a documentary, people expect that the stories and the people speaking on behalf of whatever they're speaking about to be 100% them speaking. Well, there's, Did that all, pose there's, a definitely, there's definitely a lot of truth in narrative work and fiction work. And you still have to decide what your story is going to be about in documentary. They do share the same qualities, just in different ways. If you have a documentary, you have to decide which way are you going? Are you trying to, is this for entertainment? Is this for education? Is this, are you trying to uh, build awareness? Are you trying to make an impact? What is it? Are you, you know, what, what do you want that film to do? And then that also tells you like how you're going to tell that story. How are you following your subject? Um, one of the most uh, thrilling things for me is to watch like Discovery. You ever watch like Meerkat Mana? They have made an entire story about meerkats that is better than any soap opera I've ever seen sometimes. Who knew? Who knew they were so interesting little meerkats? <laughs> but the, the, like they're literally following and we're learning about meerkats and how they live and what they do. But we're also seeing like the relationships and how similar and relatable it is to human lives. Right? That's fascinating. And that's what you have to do with documentary. You're still telling a story. It's a true story, but you still have to follow almost like, it's almost like a genre, but it's not. It's, you know, wh which way are you going with it? Ask, I gotta ask you. Ask My me. goodness, you, you're such a wonderful guest. You really are. <laughs> Team, of course, I, again, I don't like, you know, pitting two people against the other because they're both battling their own work. But if you are on a, a starving film island, and you can make <laughs> one film. One. <laughs> if you were starving, but the food was filmed, right? Let me write that down. <laughs> yes, starving film island. See that? Copyright, copyright. Shonda Rhimes or Terry McMillan, because both, right, are amazing directors and writers in their own. They also talk about the Caribbean heritage, which beautifully depict life and women, right? That resonate with which team? I don't know. Is Terry McMillan a director? I think she had other people that worked her from. She did other stuff. But what I mean is, um, ultimately, which one would you like to work with? That's uh, that's tough. Yeah. Because from a class, from a... Because you're right, she's more of a writer. But, yeah, she's yeah. more of a writer, yeah. but and I would love wrote, but to she, take her work. But, Shonda um, also wrote a lot. Wrote Shonda, yeah. uh, one, of my, one, one of my goals is to be a showrunner, and I would definitely have to... What is it? A showrunner? A, show, a showrunner. Oh, uh, which is the showrunner uh, who runs the entire series of, what is a, show of a TV do? show. Just like a... So she's like the, uh, the, the, the executive producer and she's, she basically runs the entire series of a television show like uh, How to Get Away with Murder. She's the boss. So you're inspired by... I'm inspired by, Shonda by being a showrunner. her. Not just that she's a showrunner, but how she did it. I remember um, watching how she moved 
when she first started, um, I think it was Grey's Anatomy. And I'm like, wow, this is because so she's, white, right? She's but then heavy I thought into to myself, person how heavy. diverse it started to become. And then she literally, it was like before you knew it, she had took over Thursday night on ABC. And it was like, how to get away with murder, Grey's Anatomy, like a scandal. Oh my goodness. Like variety. She just took it over. And I had not seen at that point a black woman do that. And I was like, but that's because not someone that I gave want her to chance. be like that. Yeah. But but now I know it can happen. And she has opened up a door for me. And I need to hurry up and get to that. Yeah. But you like, see how inclusivity how changes everything? Yeah. Just give someone a chance. I mean, even what she's doing with Bridgerton. Oh, my goodness. Like Bridgerton. Oh, I don't even want to hear. People are like, that's not real. Bridgerton. I mean, black people Bridgerton. would not be. Yes. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. We're not talking about that. This is fantasy. This is all like none of it is real. I don't care who you put in yes. front of it. It's a good story. And these people, they're gorgeous. I could look at them all day. And let me say, my yes. my nieces, I love talking about them, but yeah. a lot of my inspiration for what I do is because of them. Because I want them to continue to see positive and beautiful female role models. Thank you. Right? Every Disney princess that they look at does not look like them. Um, we don't play that in our house, right? Like neither do I. They, they don't. They don't know anything else but that. Wow, she's beautiful. She looks like me. Um, their Cinderella is Brandy. They don't even know another Cinderella. She or he is beautiful or handsome, right? And they look like me. Representation. And with that, keep that, please. Even in um in in Kanto, uh, my niece has these beautiful curls. She's like. The little boy in Encanto, she loves him. She's like, I know that's a boy, but I see me in him because we're the same age. We're we're both adorable. Like she loves Encanto. She loves Bruno. She's she listens to that song every night. I mean, the representation. And here's this is it doesn't matter that that is a story about Latin culture. Everyone understood that. And everyone related. The representation yes. just like was fluid and went through and it transcended color at that point i have one question for you are you ready for the hot seat for our next segment okay what's the hot seat oh i'm not gonna tell you you gotta stay tuned to our mm-hmm. final segment of our program okay where we put miss julia in the hot seat and basically ask her opinion about some probing questions facing the world today and she gets to tell us more about her project sickle to circle don't forget about that i see you in the hot seat if you enjoy listening to our podcast and we hope that you do we hope right Support us by subscribing to your favorite podcast platform and giving us a rating. Then head to our online store at www.paradoxicalfilms.com shop. Again, that's www.paradoxicalfilms.com shop, where you can purchase cinema pathway gear, including t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. Also, don't forget, follow us on Instagram at cinema underscore pathway underscore podcast again that's cinema underscore pathway underscore podcast for all the behind the scenes photos and more is that your scary is that your scary yeah, like i'm you working know, on it maniacal yeah we're working on it 
Dickens voice. <laughs> we are back with the beautiful and resilient Juliet Romeo now. I didn't lose my mind. Don't just think this host lost his mind. The reason why I thought about the evil maniacal laugh is because she just shared with us that she has a fascination with horror films. So far, we've had this deep, beautiful love story. Then we had this poignant um, hero story about re- being resilient against having sickle cell, which is part of, you know, jewels. But she just shared with us that she also loves to talk about horror. And she had a dream about Freddy Krueger, which inspired her to do it. Can so as a teenager, I had a dream about Freddy Krueger and he saved my life in the dream. Wait a minute. We talking the same, the same Freddy Krueger, right? The same Freddy Krueger with the claws and the hat, and the many of the nightmares and the many that of scared the nightmares. millions. Of, okay, yeah, that guy saved your life. That guy <laughs> just grabbed me up with his clawed hands and you know saved me. And I've always thought, like, gosh, why did he save me? Like, granted, I watch a lot of horror, so I just kind of thought that was weird. I mean, I could have just been afraid. Did that inspire cooptation? Um. So Co-Optation was a beautiful movie about Beauty Queen, right? Uh, Co-Optation is a, is a horror film about um, beauty standards and how they can come back to be murderous uh, monsters. Um, so she was using bleaching cream. Yeah. Uh, the character was using bleaching cream and her best friend was trying to just let her know she's a beautiful black queen and she doesn't need it. But then she does it anyway. She shows up at her friend's home and uh she looks different and she's trying to kill her um basically because the bleaching cream the got bleaching in- queen is actually an agent that is turning uh millions of consumers that use it into uh like zombies that are murdering and killing their people around them now we're, we're putting this disclaimer we're not saying that bleaching cream turns people into zombies this I'm is just part of her movie <laughs> you shouldn't use it though i'm gonna say it out loud we'll say it. we don't need bleaching cream oh be happy be happy in the in skin, the skin that, you're that, in. that you're in yep same thing and that's with, really yeah. just what i wanted to say i i like to have horror well all of my films but horror especially i wanted to be saying something you know i don't want it to just be it's scaring you. But what is so scary about that? And one of the things that made me, inspired me to tell that story was me and my sister, uh, we love shopping and she loves, she loves beauty. She's like, hey, Sephora's having a sale, 21 day sale. And that's what was happening at the time when I was about to write this. And I'm like, oh my God, we are obsessed. Like how many packages is going to come and all these different things we're trying. Why are we trying all these things? Right? We look great, um, but we still do it. And so... It just made me think about what is it that we look, what do we see when we look back in the mirror? What do we think about when other people are looking at us or what someone might say that makes us feel that we're not enough? Inadequate. Inadequate or not enough and that we need this product to change us or give us the thing that's going to make us perfect. Have you ever faced that? Feeling inadequate of other directors said felt that you were inadequate in something i thought you meant beauty standards i'm i'm perfect Uh, i'm very conceited but (laughs) (laughs) humble she is amen but in directing i have had directors make i've not had people not i've had people not really even look at my work and say that but just in conversation say something to me and say well I, i don't think you can do that or you should do that or you're better at this you should stick to this marginalizing you very much so i don't i just 
I don't really listen to those things. I'm one of those, you know, I'll take the meat and spit out the bones. If I feel like I can use your advice, I will. And usually if it's unsolicited, I'm not going to listen to that witchcraft anyway, because I didn't ask you, right? But a lot of times, for the most part, I get a lot of great and encouraging um, feedback um, and support from, from the community. So, um, and I'm actually, actually hard. I think I'm the one that's hard on myself. I could literally finish something and then go, oh my gosh, I haven't done anything. I feel like I'm such a bum. I'm not working on anything. Everyone else is moving on without me. And my sister's like, hello, people are literally in the air watching your work. Or, you know, I, I my family constantly reminds me, do you know how amazing you are? Do you know how great you're doing this? Because I really get hard on myself because I feel like I need to have already jumped into the next thing, you know? Because your story matters. And I think, isn't that what fueled the Unstoppable program? For those who don't know, Unstoppable is identifying a gap in the film industry. Julia pioneered the Slam Dan Film Festival's Unstoppable program. This initiative champions diversity and disability inclusion, shattering barriers and setting new standards. Ultimately, it's a remarkable success. And get this, guys. It's being backed by giants. This is not just some small time. Hulu. We all know Hulu channel, right? Beautiful movies. And Google. Well, our first year, those were our sponsors. We've had different sponsors every year. What other sponsors They're all have you magnificent. Had? Last year, we actually had the University of Utah. They gave us the space. They actually, um, we were able to stay in there. Hotel, um, it was amazing because we were really looking for a space that was completely accessible for all of our filmmakers, uh, regardless of what their disability was. And that was the perfect place. Um, We've gotten deals with transportation and things like that. I'm looking forward to seeing what we get this year. Um, Taylor Miller, who is the director. Taylor um, Miller? Taylor Miller. And she lives here in Miami as well. And she does a phenomenal job every year. I feel like, you know, well, she'll tell you that we, Unstoppable is her baby. And she is always there when I say, Taylor, I think we should do this. Taylor, why don't we do this? And she is on it. She's always, uh, you know, been very supportive. And people see her as a leader and they follow suit. And it's just been an amazing, um, an amazing partnership. Um, and it, it, I just, I just couldn't have asked for more. So tell us more about Sickle to Circle. I know that's your next, guys. Sickle to Circle is your next major project. Please, when it comes out, please give support. Tell us more Sickle about it. Sickle to Circle mm-hmm. is my um, feature film that we will uh, feature documentary where we're going to encapsulate all things sickle cell we're going to follow uh some sickle cell warriors and tell their story uh follow someone that had a bone marrow transplant uh, another person that has stem cell transplant speak to researchers speak to doctors uh, speak to pharmaceutical companies and just talk about all the research and amazing things um how how far we've come how much further we have to go and everything in between and you're also, I mean, this moment doesn't stop working, guys. I have a whole list. I really need a vacation. <laughs> no, no, you know what? You're, you're, you're making the best of your life. And you're yeah. showing that someone, even with sickle cell, right? Most people, they identify with, oh, you can't do much. You you know, you're always sick. No. It's the expectation. This, this woman, yeah. right, by the grace of God, is doing movies. She's starting foundations, guys. And she even won, I don't know how many different different film festivals. So if any disability is disregarding your path to your success, guys. Just know that it doesn't have to be a stumbling block. Use it 
as a fuel to propel it forward. Is it going to be easy? No. Was it easy for you, Jules? It it was not easy. But once I accepted my disability and accepted accepted your destiny. Yeah. Accepted that this was part of the journey that it did help. Um, I'm all for anyone, however you choose to identify, there are some people that choose not to lead with their disability and that's fine. Um, but it worked, it worked for me. I feel like I was just on a hamster wheel before that, trying to keep up with things that didn't fit me. Mm. Um, and once I decided to say, Hey, this is me and this is what I need. Uh, Doors and opportunities opened up for me to be able to thrive in in the spaces that I wanted to thrive in. Tell us about Best Laid Plans. Best Laid Plans is yes. my baby. TV show, one hour it's drama, a right? One hour drama TV so show. So we've gone from films to documentary to TV. <laughs> okay. One of the things someone told me, yeah, you 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 gotta be a you got you, you can either be a director of film or you can be TV. I don't believe in choosing. Uh once someone asked me, you know, like, what's, I was on an interview and they're like, so what's in your wheelhouse? I was like, all the wheels, all the wheels. But you're also casting uh, your first so writer's I'm room? casting my first writer's room. Shout out, guys. She's casting. Yeah. This is an open invitation. Um, this is your chance now. I'm getting a lot of support from Della Della Camera of uh, Arts Accelerator, who uh, she's really the wind beneath my wings when it comes to um, uh, um, to Best Way Plans. I let her read the uh, the first draft, and she's been bugging me since. Like, you better do this. We got to do this. What's a writer's room? That's what a people writer's can, yeah. room is when a group of writers come together to help create the entire series. So, what I want to do is, um, I feel like the the story is big enough to share with more people, and to get more. S- authentic stories and ideas from other writers about relationships, um, how they navigate or how they would see this world that I've created. And just um, write. Yeah. And just write and we're together. Yeah. And I feel like when writers get together, even if we're just talking about whatever, all of a sudden there's like this spark of inspiration that pushes you in your, your work too. So how can people reach you? Yeah, you can reach me on. This is for her writer's room. This is also for a different casting. For my writer's room, you can reach me at tvjewels27 at gmail.com. tvjewels27 at gmail.com. Inbox me on Instagram at I am Juliet Romeo. I am Juliet Romeo. And Jules is J-U-L-E-S. Yes. All right, guys. This is your chance. This is to get on the ground floor. Of something that could be absolutely amazing. This also, is, I wanted to yes. let you know, the Un- Unstoppable and Slam Dance Film Festival will be in um, Utah this year at Park City, Park City, Utah, January 19th to the 25th. And we also have a virtual component because it wouldn't be accessible without it. Um, and our virtual component starts on, I believe, the 25th and goes all the way to like the 30th. Is there like a website? Check out the website, slamdance.com. Slamdance.com. Again, guys, that's slamdance.com. All right. One of my favorite segments of the hour has come. Is Are you ready? Seat? Yes. Well, how, right. do you, how do you know about the hot seat? Because I've been Magical. talking about it, you know, for the past <laughs> hour. Anyway, you're a smart lady. All right. So, <laughs> hot seat. Ha, 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 ha. 
I promise we'll get sign effects later. But for right now, it's <laughs> hot, hot, hot seats where we ask you probing questions that will make you think a little bit. Some of them a little hotter than others. So if at any time you think okay. it's a little too hot, you can say pass. Okay. But that means there's another hotter question coming. All right. All right. Oh, okay. You okay. ready? So don't pass too much. All right. During your filming of the award-winning movie, Uncomplicated, what corners did you cut to get it in on time? Hmm. What unconventional corners? Uncomplicated. Okay. What corners did I cut? Yes. Not necessarily to get it in on time, uh-huh. but you can budget, no. budget-wise, there was an issue. I had a micro budget. I I actually was able to get a grant. It was a micro grant. So I just had a certain amount of money to do what I needed to do. And when it came to the montage, I was like, how am I going to do this montage? Because we don't have the time or the locations to go to all these different locations and show them having this amazing. So how'd you do night. it? How'd you do it? I, it came to me that I wanted to see, like, I wanted, I wanted them to like be wearing this experience. And so I came up with the idea of using a projector and I had my cinematographer go to all of the locations Ooh. that we would have wanted them to go to, film those locations, and then we put the projector on them and they walked into that scene. Oh, that's And smart. they just had a conversation about different things. So if other directors was, are, are, are filmmakers, right, are huh? struggling. So this, so you know what, guys? Sometimes you can make your own Listen, CGI. This, this is my Spike Lee joint right here. Hey. Uh, okay, so just know, put my, put my name on it. Put my name so on it. So if you guys are ever missing any CGI, make your own <laughs> CGI and just walk into make the film. Make your own CGI and walk into it. Hot question number two. You ready? Dun, dun, dun. If you had to put any director, living or dead, on strike, who would it be and why? On strike? What do you on mean by on strike? strike? Okay. I ain't working with you. You're too much. Mm. I'm putting you on strike. I'm boycotting you. Now, if you don't want to mention anybody, we can skip that. I would say that it's not that I don't want to say it; it's that I would not say because okay. never. Okay. Um, God will always make it happen. So, I don't okay. want to say. Um, as That's... a matter of fact, there is someone I had said I would never work with, and I continuously get offered jobs. <laughs> so I'm like, God, what are you doing to me? So, um, okay. I've learned to never say never, so and no, you never know. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know that person yet. And I might have thoughts about them, and they might be the person that teaches me uh, some of the most valuable lessons in my career. So, oh, that's a good that's a good answer. I like that. Okay, number three, same question, but for an actor. Dun, dun, dun. What actor would you put on strike? Like you ain't working with. Um, let's I'm see. boycotting you. Well, you don't have to. It's of course, not, you don't have to. I, again, I want to work with everyone, but okay. I don't want to work with selfish people. Ooh. And once I feel that you, you hear that, are Divas? selfish Divas? and you're not thinking about everyone else on set. Um, I'm, I'm one, of the, over here. one of the biggest pieces of advice I've ever gotten is that being of service to others will, will get you everywhere in this industry. Oh. And if that person is only trying to be of service to themselves, I, I can't work with that. I love that. Now, just because you're the best doesn't mean that we're going to work with you, all right? Your character, who you are as a person. If I'm going to be on set with you for three months, four months, whatever the case may be, five minutes, 
if I can't stand who you are as a and person and can't work feel, with you, then like why per- work with you? I feel like a person like that. Consistency is more important. It's not than even going to make it best. that far. Yeah. Exactly. All we right. don't know that person because they've they're gonna get they're gonna get checked off way before. Hot question number four. Din din din. It's not really hot. Nah, it's kind of it's kind of simmered warm. up. It's lukewarm. It's lukewarm <laughs> now. It's lukewarm. It's, it's, it's tepid. Okay. All right. If you could have any direct living or dead over to dinner, who would it be and why? There was one question I skipped, but if you if you tell me to say this question, I okay. will. This well, first your... I'm going to answer this question okay. because a lot of people don't look at him as a director. And he specifically says that his work is not videos. They're short films. Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson is one of the best storytellers and filmmakers out there. First of all, can we just talk about Thriller? Okay, Thriller. Maybe another reason why I'm so inspired by horror, because I'm obsessed with that. Um, and his music didn't just entertain, but it told a story. And when you looked at his short films, which some people call music videos, they, they're like 12 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes long. And they're you're following an amazing, an amazing journey. And I think that, you know, I would have loved to have seen him really get into um, the industry and make a film. I think it would have knocked people's socks off. And I think that's where he was going next. And last question of the day. Din, din, din. You ready? You gotta, can you drink okay. some water? You need Permission. some water. Permission. Okay. I'm you, a, I'm you need some water. I'm going to sip because you said to sip. You need, because this, this is a question that might knock you off. You ready? Are you ready, Miss Juliet Romeo? Minute. I'm sorry, I, I can't hold this in anymore. I can't hold it anymore. Okay, Can I ask you the last it? question? Another, okay, hot, hot, hot. What is it? <laughs> I'm burning over You're here. I'm burning, I'm burning. Oh, it's beautiful. Michael Jackson, he's wonderful. He is. Okay, <laughs> last question, ma'am. We all know about the famous slap between Will Smith and Chris Rock. If there's any actress living now, who would you slap in the face? Okay. What actress gets the slap? I don't condone violence. No, we do not condone violence. But. Or mistreatment of any kind. This is just fictional. But. I would slap a high five to every black woman actress and support them. You're too much. I love you. <laughs> she has the best questions. She knows because, how to. listen. Look at her. All, I'm rooting for everybody. That every, was nice. I'm rooting that was, for everybody. That was, that was, that was, that was that duck was, and woo. Okay. You, saw, you just ducked. You just but, ducked. That was listen, beautiful. That was I beautiful. I feel like we really need to be talking about how we can uplift and edify everyone and not how we can uh, downplay or talk about someone. I think there's space and there's room for all of us. I think that, um, like I said, uh, if. If I feel like I have to slap somebody on my set, then I have allowed someone to cross anybody. my boundaries. And that's I got on my me. lawyer. Don't do it. That's on me. <laughs> um, one of the things I always have to try to yeah. remember is that I'm in charge and I am running the show. I have had some people say some things to me and I really... Like what? Okay, so I had this one cinematographer and I asked for a specific shot and... He really just did the whole mansplaining thing. And when when I asked for the shot, he was like, I can't do that shot. And then I said, well, why? And I really w- wanted to know why out of a learning experience. Like, oh, so I know for next time. Oh. And he goes, I mean, we could waste time with me explaining it to you. We could just move on to the next scene. Uh-oh. And he said this in front of everybody. And I was like, I could take Brooklyn out my pocket and <laughs> pop off right now. <laughs> 
but I'm responsible for everybody else and everyone's energy on set right now. But when it was over, I let him have it. But the thing is, it's so funny is that they were ready to apologize to me before I even had anything to say. But in my mind, I said, they're not going to get another chance to do that to me because I'm going to make sure that I know how to do what he can do. So then the next time someone wants to act like that, I can be like, well, you could exit stage left, bro, because I could just take the camera. But in all seriousness, I have to ask before you go, how do you wish to be remembered? <sighs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, As a filmmaker, how do you wish? To how be do remembered? I wish to be remembered? And also, if you had to sum up all of your works thus far in one word, what would that be? I want future students to have to watch my films and learn from it in school. I want to know that I am able to continue to um, help the next generation of, of filmmakers. So your word would be educate. So yes, educate. That would be my word for sure. Wow. Educate. And as always, uh, film family, if you enjoyed any or all this content, people are really expressing their souls here. This is no joke, guys. Yeah. We live in a crazy world and getting your point of view is very important. And we hope that any guest that comes on here gets to express their point of view in a loving and open way. Doesn't matter what it is, we respect it, guys. Well, the point is, do it. Remember to subscribe to Cinema Pathway Podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms. And please buy something. If you're to buy, buy something, buy it. I'm going to buy it. At paradoxicalfilms.com <laughs> slash store. Even if you want to make fun of it, buy it. Even if you want to send it to a, a gift to grandma, buy it. Until the next time, my film family, we would like to give a special thanks to the company Sergio's Printing for their support. Their website is www.sergiosprinting.com to see how professional their work really is. To our listeners, thank you again for joining us in the Cinema Pathway podcast today. I'm your host, Michael Angel Malachi. Our producer and director is the lovely Juliette Asson, and our associate producer is Victor Hugo Pereira. The executive producer and editor is Freddy R. Rodriguez. This was a presentation by Paradoxical Films. And please visit our website at www.paradoxicalfilms.com. Again, that's www.paradoxicalfilms.com for more information about today's podcast. And you can also email us if you like at cinemapathway at paradoxicalfilms.com. Again, that's Cinema Pathway at ParadoxicalFilms.com, where you can send all comments, suggestions for all future episodes. Lights out!